Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. Two years or so ago, uh, the the tanks of the Russian army uh, rolled into Ukraine. And in a say, we can say there was no one to really save them. Had Had they been a part of NATO, then things would have been a, the story would have been very different. Because if you are a member of the NATO, if one country gets attacked, that means all all other countries get attacked. So if you are part of the NATO alliance, if you are are a member of NATO alliance, you have much more safety and there is much more security. A wolf like Putin and his army would not uh, dare to go and attack a NATO member nation. But uh, Ukraine was friends with NATO, was friends with some people from NATO, but it was never a member of NATO. So when the tanks rolled from Russia to Ukraine, uh, it was really bad. And even now, it is really bad. And uh, something very... uh, Something very similar happens when it comes to church membership. It is uh, one thing, you are a member of a church. It is another thing, you are not a member of the church. So something very similar happens. And we will uh, think about more as we go through this text. So today we are, this morning, we are looking at Hebrew chapter 13 and verse 17. It says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The first thing which we see here is that Christ runs his church through his officers who are called by him and recognized by church as such. We live in a time and age where no one wants to submit to everyone. Uh, No one wants to submit to anyone. Everyone just wants to be free to do whatever one wants to do. But we forget we can't avoid authority. It's just impossible. The moment you open your eyes, you are the... you are, you are under the authority of your parents. It's just impossible. You cannot avoid authority. You drive your car, you're on the street, you are under the authority of the state. You have to follow all the traffic laws. You go to school, your college, even a liberal university. You still have to abide by the rules of that university or that college. You go to a uh, workplace, office, there is authority. Every single place there is authority. You cannot avoid authority. And Christ has established authority in his church. 
Christ has established authority in his church. He has not intended his people to be without under shepherds and without the authority in their lives. That's why the Apostle Paul reminds the Ephesian believers in chapter 4, verse 7 onwards, saying, When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. What are those gifts? Verse 11 reads, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till, all, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Scripture shows us that some are called to be pastors and teachers for the edification of the body. And elsewhere, uh, we read that uh, uh, Christ uh, gives elders and deacons to his church. It is Christ who calls them and separates them for such a ministry. And he runs the church uh, through their labors. So the first thing we see here is that uh, Christ calls certain men to lead over his church. The second thing which we see under this heading is that Christ has given spiritual authority to those who are called by him to shepherd the flock of God. Verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. ESV translates, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Here the verse implies that those who are called by Christ to lead have spiritual authority over those who are being led. There is an authority submission structure established by Christ himself. Anyone who undermines this structure under the pretext of priesthood of all believers or in any other way is just ignorant of the plain teaching of the scripture. There are many who undermine, who try to undermine this structure which Christ himself has established in his church. But someone who tries to undermine is merely ignorant. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 says, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to, est and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Scripture clearly shows us that there are some who are given authority to lead the people of God. Now, I personally think that the ruling of ruling the people of God is in the sense of gently leading the flock of God by the ministry, by the means of, uh, by by the means of the ministry of word and sacraments. Christ has given authority to to his officers, and they are to exercise this authority by teaching the word of God and by faithfully administering the sacraments. This is the primary way the elders are called to lead the people of God. At the same time, I do not think that the church has power to legislate anything outside of the Bible. The Roman Catholic Church has historically viewed itself as magisterial, imperial, and legislative. They made laws derived from their dogma and imposed upon the people of God. For example, the doctrine of transubstantiation was affirmed at the Fourth 
lateral council in 1415. The doctrine of purgatory was adopted at the second council of Lyon in uh, 1274 and the immaculate conception of Mary became dogma through the so-called infallible interpretation of Pope Pius IX in 1854. In addition, the medieval, medieval church treatment of heretics uh, through the use of torture and execution demonstrates a view of church power that is far beyond the scope of holy scripture. At times, Protestant churches too have gone too far in this regard. It is beyond the scope of legitimate church power when a church requires its member members to vote for a particular political party or speaking in tongues as a requirement for church membership. If you want to join ARC as a member, we will not require you to hold to the five points of Calvinism. Neither, neither we will require you to hold to the doctrine of covenantal infant baptism as we understand from the scripture and also as it is taught in our confessions. To be a member, you must uh, profess, you, you must have been a born-again Christian, you must uh, profess faith in Christ, and you must be baptized. These are the only requirement for you to be a member of this church. Anything other than that, other than these, would be an abuse of church power. Scripture shows us that the church power is not magisterial, imperial, and neither legislative. But on the contrary, church power is ministerial and declarative. What does it mean that the church power is ministerial? Ministerial has to do with applying the scripture in specific cases, such as disciplinary dis discipling, such as disciplining an erring member or settling theological controversies. The church does not legislate doctrine, but apply the doctrines already taught in the scripture. Of the two keys to the kingdom that Christ gives to his church for binding and for losing, this is the key of discipline. First thing, when it comes to church power, it is ministerial. Second thing, the church power is declarative. That means the church declares what God has revealed in his word. It does not have authority to go beyond what has been revealed and bind the conscience of its members. That means we cannot bind your conscience in things which are beyond scripture, the things which are not in the scripture. On the contrary, we declare what God has already revealed in his word. We cannot lord, the church cannot lord over its members. Elders are not called to lord over the congregation. In First Peter chapter 5, the apostle Peter says to the elders, saying, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those who, whom God has entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The first thing which we saw was that Jesus has given leaders to his church. Jesus has given leaders to his church. When he ascended when he ascended on high, he gave some to be pastors and teachers. The second thing which we saw was that 
they have authority from Christ to lead his church. They have real authority, which Christ himself has given. And their power is ministerial and declarative. The third thing is the obvious one. You must obey those who rule over you as ultimately submitting to the Lord in all things lawful. That means when an elder confronts you about your sin, ultimately it is Christ who is confronting you. Ultimately, it is Christ who is confronting you. It is Christ who is asking you to forsake your sin, repent from your sin, turn from your sin. It is Christ who is giving you his counsel lest you go astray. It is not the elder. It is not the minister who is speaking to you. Ultimately, it is Christ who is speaking to you. That means you should not neglect the lawful pleading of the church leaders. I'm just using the word synonym, synonymously, elders or leaders or ministers or pastor. Uh, all of, you know, Christ has given leaders to his church. And, and when a leader is approaching you and confronting you, it is, it is for your own good that you do not ignore those uh, pleadings. It is for your own good. You know, here we read that uh, they watch out for your souls. The idea is of a watchman who keeps a watch in the night to protect those who are unaware of the danger in the night. God gives elders to his church so that they keep a watch over the souls of those who are redeemed by Christ. And one day they will have to give an account of their eldership. So, so you better listen to the elders. It is for your own good. Today morning in the Sunday school, we were discussing that it is a, it is a duty of the leadership to protect the, pul to protect the pulpit. Because Paul warned his readers that after me, uh, wolves, uh, fierce wolves, uh, would come after the congregation to devour the congregation. So it is so important for the elders of a church to protect the pulpit. The kind of churches I grew up, um, often the pulpit was compromised. Uh, for example, uh, if you confront, for example, if one, one elder confronts another elder, he would say, keep quiet, shut your mouth, because if you expose me, I will expose you. So, so the pulpit was very much uh, compromised. But uh, in a Reformed and Presbyterian setting, I think uh, things are much more harder. Things, think th things are much more harder. That means uh, if there is an issue at a local level, you can always approach the presbytery. If there is an issue at the presbytery, you can always approach the general assembly. So compared to uh, any other structure, uh, Presbyterian structure uh, ensures that uh, pulpit is uh, much, more, uh, much more safer and uh, much more faithful. And it is the duty of the elders to protect uh, the sheep. So that's why you should never undermine the authority of godly elders whom God places over you. 
because and at the end of the day it is Christ who has placed them over a congregation and it is for your own good it is for your own advantage if you neglect if you neglect uh, the elders and uh, when they come uh, come after you when they plead with you when they confront you of your sin it is to your own disadvantage we read here let them do do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you one day every leader of the church will give will will give an account of their ministry so because the elders keep a watch over your soul and because they must give an account of their ministry you must you must submit to them in the lord it is for your own spiritual good Christ runs his church through his officers and you must submit to them in the Lord. That was the first point. The second thing, Christ requires his people to be members of a local church. Christ requires his people to be members of a local church. In other words, scripture clearly teaches formal church membership as a prerequisite for a healthy church government and for the edification of the body. when we read obey those who rule over you and be submissive it implies that there is a formal relationship between the officers of the church and the congregants those who work in an organization know that their bosses cannot have authority over them unless they are part of the organization the day they quit their job their 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 boss bosses lose all their authority over them similarly similarly churches cannot have authority over the people of god unless they are formally a part of the body yes now i grew up in a non denominational church we did not have a concept of formal church membership as we practice in a reformed and presbyterian church people who regularly came to the church were considered part of the church but the church never maintained any roles it was always difficult to know who was part of the church and who was not and every time someone was disciplined according to matthew 18 i cringed because how could you discipline someone who was never a member of your church to begin with in first corinthians chapter 5 the apostle paul speaks about removing the one who had engaged in gross sexual immorality in the church but how can one be removed if he was never in to begin with you can only discipline a member and not a non member but if you carefully study the bible you will clearly see that the ancient church did maintain church roles is there evidence there was there is there is there was clearly some kind of formal reckoning reckoning in the early church between those who were members of the church and those who were not in acts 2:41 we read that those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3000 souls were added to them then then in acts 4:4 we read again that many of those who heard the word believed and the number of the man uh, number of the men came to be about 5000 you see there is some role there was some role which was maintained in the ancient church then the apostle paul wrote in first timothy uh, chapter 5 verse 9 saying 
do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number. These verses clearly demonstrate that the early church maintained some sort of roles of who who were members and who were not, who were not. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth a confession is made unto salvation. Now, I don't think that this passage is uh, of scripture is talking about some private confession. I think you, you should confess privately when you're alone that you trust in Christ, you believe in him. But I don't think that this passage is talking about some uh, private confession. It is talking about a public confession of faith. Now, most Reformed churches uh, will ask you to profess your faith publicly when you join their churches. If you join a Reformed and Presbyterian churches, we will ask you to publicly confess your faith. If you decide to join ARC as a member, we will ask you to confess your faith publicly. You will be asked to answer the five questions put to you concerning your Christian faith in the affirmative. In this way, you will profess your faith publicly. We have clearly seen that the church membership is biblical. It is a biblical concept. The early church practiced it, and it is one of the ways a person makes a public profession of faith. Now, what does this mean to you today? That's the question. What does this mean to you today? If you are not a member of a local church, then seek the membership, then seek the membership of a faithful Bible-believing and gospel-proclaiming church. This is what Christ has intended for you. It is for your own good, nurture, and growth in grace. Do not be afraid to be accountable to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Become part of the body of Christ and serve it with whatever gifts the Spirit bestows upon you. If you are already a member of this local church here in this city of Albuquerque, then praise God for this privilege because as a member, you enjoy the covenant life of this body. It is the local church which is the eyes, the ears, the hands of its members. That means if you are downcast, confused, abused, hurt, or are going astray, it is your local church uh, which will come after you and wrap its arm around you. This is how Christ ministers to his people, even now through his body. You may listen to preachers on the internet or have online fellowship, but they may not be able to help you in, time, in times of crisis. They will not be able to uh, come and help you. It's not their duty to come and help you. You may listen to someone somewhere there on the internet, but it is a local body of believers, the saints who are redeemed by Christ, who will come after you and will wrap their arms around you when you are going through a tough time. It may be a small body, but it will still come after you. And there's more advantage to a small body because we are few people, we... Everyone know everyone. That's right. I'm not saying that uh, 
you should not listen to sermons online or learn from established teachers on the internet. But I'm saying that you will not experience the covenant life of a church over the internet, but in a local body of believers who are committed to Jesus and to each other and organized under the kingship of Jesus as a local outpost of the kingdom. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And one of the ways he fulfills this promise is through his local church. So praise God for this local church in which you are a member, which is the pillar and buttress of truth and on which the gates of hell will not prevail it. As we pray. A gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that... Uh, you have not left us alone in this world. You have not left us alone, uh, alone and confused in this world. Lord, it is you who has established your church on this earth and uh, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And you said, I will establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, we thank you for this small body here in this city, Albuquerque Reformed Church, and how you have sustained this body over the years. And we thank you uh, for the people whom you have brought into this congregation, into our midst. Lord, we pray that we would uh, continue to be grateful to you for this small body and how you sustain us and how you nurture us, how you care for us and how you Protect us through your, uh, through your church, through your body, and through the leadership which you have established uh, in this church. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless us as a, as a body, and we as a body would continue to grow, and we would, we would be strong. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org, where you'll find more information about our ministry. We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.